Well, um, good morning. I, I'm glad to be with you this morning. And, um, and two things are going on in the month of January um, here at the church. Number one, we're, we're going through our Blessed series, and we're working through the Beatitudes. And this goes hand in hand with the other thing that we're doing in the month of January, which is we're going through a prayer and fasting challenge. And so uh, last week, Dale started us off and, and kicked, off, um, kicked off our prayer and fasting folk focus and kicked off our blessed series, and um, he challenged us to do three things. He challenged us to pray, he challenged us to fast, and he challenged us to join a group and do this together. And so at six o'clock tonight here at the church, you can come and you can be a part of a group or you can find someone and we'll direct you to a group, but, but we want to challenge you to be a part of this. We have these um, guides, and, and I just want to take a second and say that I know sometimes um, you guys might miss a Sunday, and, and maybe you missed last week and you weren't here for the beginning of, of the blessed series and the prayer and, and fasting um, focus. And so if you missed last Sunday, I just want to say you're not too late. We want to join together and pray and fast and work through this together. So even if you missed last Sunday and you're totally out of the loop, we want you to grab a, grab a booklet and join in. We want you to come tonight. We want you to be a part of this focus with us. And, and then let me talk to a second group of people. Some of you may have just missed last week. But then another group of you may have been here last week. And you may have started this. And, and maybe sometime during the week you kind of fell off the wagon or, or, or you blew it. And, and you got away from the habit of doing this. And I just want to say this morning, and this is something I think is important for us all the time, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to mess up. But we want you to join with us, and we want you to be a part of this because we believe that God wants to change our hearts and change our minds in this time of prayer and fasting. And so regardless of whether you missed or whether you've blown it and, and you just feel like you're out of the loop, we want you to be a part of this. There are guides on either side of me down here. If you didn't get one or if you lost yours, please come grab one and work through this. Um, but, but that's where we're at. Um, and so I'll start with this. Why is it so important for us to pray and to fast? Why are we emphasizing this in the month of January? And to answer that question, I'm going to go to one of my favorite scriptures it's a scripture that I could talk about over and over and over again. It, it, is, it is my favorite scripture in the Bible, and it's from Romans 12, 1 to 2. And it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, and so I just want to stop, and I want to focus on the second half of that, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we're praying and fasting. That's why we're going through this emphasis in the month of January. That's why we're gathering together. That's why every day you need to take some time and get away by yourself and pray and fast so that God can transform your mind, can renew your mind, and I would add, your heart. And so 
we're working through this series on the Beatitudes, and we want to pray, and we want to fast together. This is a little secret about myself. I've talked about it before, but when I was in um, late grade school and early junior high, I played an instrument. And, um, and all right, So I'm going to count to three. Let's have some fun. On the count of three, I'm, I'm going to say one, two, three, and then you say what instrument you thought I played when I was younger. And if you've heard me speak about it before, you can get it, get it right. Okay, ready? One, two, three. All right, I didn't hear any of those. But... Um, <laughs> I just heard a bunch of stuff, but, but some of you might be surprised to find out that I played the violin when I was growing up. Don't I look like a violinist? Yeah, I cry like a violinist. I'm emotional like a violinist, but I played the violin from like, I don't know, third grade until really uh, through my freshman year of high school until I got to the point that on the basketball team it wasn't so cool to play the violin, and, and I passed up on that, but um, the violin is, it's honestly, I loved it. I loved playing in the orchestra. I loved sitting there playing some of the classics, classical music, um, Beethoven, and different things. I loved it. And, and honestly, a violin played well is one of the most beautiful things that you can hear. Now on the flip side, a violin that's out of tune, or a violin played by me, <laughs> is not the most beautiful thing you could ever hear. And every day when you play the violin, you have to take that violin out and you have to tune it because if you're out of tune, it does not sound good. And if any of you have ever learned an instrument or especially a stringed instrument, you know that if your instrument is out of tune, what could be beautiful turns into ugliness. Maybe some of your kids have learned to play, to in play instruments and you've just put up with hours of practicing and that sound and if it's a violin, it's that screeching and, and it's just like, oh, what, what could be such a beautiful thing isn't so beautiful. Um, that's the way our hearts are. Let me be really honest with you. Our hearts are supposed to be in tune with God's heart. And when our heart is in tune with God's heart, we see beautiful things, we see people loving each other, we see peace, we see great things, beautiful things. But, but when our hearts are out of tune, we see ugliness, we see pain, we see fighting. And it's just like instruments, our hearts need to be in tune. And so, so as we're doing this, your heart and your mind are the key to being who God is created you to be. Let me repeat that. Your heart and your mind are the key to being who God created you to be. It's not about showing up here every Sunday at 1040 and going through motions. It's not about rituals. I mean, those are good things. I'm not telling you not to show up. Please show up. It's good. But your heart and your mind are the key to being who God created you to be. In 1993, a, a guy named Jimmy Valvano gave a speech that's famous, especially in the sports world to this day. Jimmy V was, was a basketball coach. He's known um, for a miracle that his NC State team pulled off and, and won the championship. I think I could be wrong on that. They won the championship, right? Yes, they won the championship. And he's known for that and his coaching. And he's, he's a guy that's really enthusiastic. And then he went into sports, um, sports broadcasting. Um, but, but what happened was, before 1993, he came down with cancer. And, and so, 
So Jimmy V was a guy that everybody loved and respected. And in 1993 at the ESPYs, which if you don't know what the ESPYs are, they're ESPN's award show that they do every year. And at the ESPYs, Jimmy V was given the, award, the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage because he was battling cancer, and he was some, somebody that people respected and loved. And, and when he accepted his award, he gave a speech that is still famous to this day, not just in the sports world, but outside. It's a beautiful speech, and it's a long speech, so we're going to watch it, but we're going to watch pieces of it. It's kind of cut up, but I want to watch a little bit of it because it, it says something important to us today. And, and when people say to me, how do you get through... Uh, life or, or each day is the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. I remember, I remember where I came from. It's so important to know where you are. And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. You have to be willing to work for it. I got it. I just got one last thing. I urge all of you, all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moments you have, to spend each day with some laughter and some thought, to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great can be accomplished without enthusiasm, to keep your dreams alive in spite of problems, whatever you have, to be able to work hard for your dreams to, become, to come true, become a reality. I've, I've got to go, and I've got one last thing. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. And it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. I thank you, and God bless you all. All right, so in that speech, we see a guy in Jimmy V who has had a great life and has accomplished a lot of things, but but he has cancer and he's battling it. And, and if, you, if you knew him, then you know that that's, I mean, that's like a toned down version of what he usually was. He was a, a, a really loud and um, you know, energetic guy and you can see that it's wearing him out. But I love what he says because what he says is what I'm, I'm trying to get across to you today is that your heart and your mind are the key to your life. Cancer can take everything else away. You can be going through anything in life, but if your heart is right and your mind is right, you're going to be okay. And honestly, Jimmy V, I'm not sure if he was a Christian or not. I, I tried to look that up. Um, he, you know, he talks a little bit about God blessing people, but a lot of people say that. I'm, I'm not sure whether he's a Christian or not, but, but to me, he is saying something that, that is totally right and, and sure, he, he didn't necessarily talk about God in this, but to me, he's telling me exactly where, where I'm at today is that our heart and our mind are the key. And we believe that our heart and our mind need to be tuned to God. He said, don't lose heart. No matter what you go through, if your heart's in the right place, you'll be okay. He said three things every day. Laugh, 
think and be moved to emotion. All right, I, I laugh every day. I really do. And I definitely am moved to emotion every day, right? I don't know if I think every day. But what he's saying is if, if your heart and your mind are being used and are being tuned every day, then life is good no matter what happens. There, there's, a, there's terminology in the Bible that, that we see a lot through the Old Testament especially where we, where we hear about people's hearts being hardened. And, and I, I, when I'm thinking about this, when I'm thinking about our hearts and being tuned to God, I think about the difference between a softened heart and a hardened heart. And let me explain a little bit more about that so you can get, get where I'm at with that. But um, have any of you ever gone through something just really tough? Raise your hand. Go ahead. If you've gone through something really tough, then you know that, that there's a couple different ways you can handle that. One way is that, that you can feel it with all of your being. You can emotionally feel it and struggle. I remember when I was a, um, when I, when I was a freshman in college, I dated a girl, and we dated for the whole year of my freshman year and then through the summer, and right before my sophomore year of college, we broke up. Or she dumped me, is another way of saying that. Um, and I remember that I was heartbroken. And I remember that every night, I mean, I, I was emotional. And I called people, and I was working through this. And, and the truth of the matter is, we all know that when something like that happens, sometimes our response is to have a softened heart that's broken and we feel it. But occasionally, we can let our heart get hardened. Maybe somebody hurt you at some point in your life. Maybe you experienced pain and tragedy and loss. And one of the ways that we can react to that is by hardening our heart and saying, I don't want to experience pain and loss anymore, so I'm not going to let anything affect me. And so we see the difference between someone whose heart is engaged and active and feels pain and feels joy versus someone whose heart is hardened and closed off and, and, and they, they don't let anything affect them. I think of a few things when I think of that. I think of uh, my second son, Sam. His nickname in our house is Sweet and Sour. Because sometimes Sam can sit on your lap and he can look at you and he is the sweetest kid in the whole world. And he can melt your heart. I mean, he just can look at you and he can be so sweet and he can say, Daddy, I'm, you know, I just want to cuddle with you. And that's, I mean, Sam can be the sweetest kid in the world. Or... And this happens quite a bit too. Sam can get really upset with us and Sam can get heart, his heart gets hardened and nothing you can do can get Sam out of his angry mood. And he can stomp and he can throw things and he can get mad. And it's like there, there's two versions. There's sweet and there's sour. And to me, I see the softened heart versus the hardened heart when I look at Sam. When I think of a hardened heart, I think of Clint Eastwood and some of his later movies especially where he's just like, nothing's going to affect me because I'm too tough. And, uh, softened heart versus hardened heart. I think what Jimmy V's saying is that our heart has to be open and soften to feel what's going on around us. Let me ask you today, where's your heart at? Is your heart open? Is your heart ready to be filled? Is your heart feeling what's going on around you? Or is your heart hardened and closed off? Maybe you've been through something and you're just not open to feeling pain and change. The problem is when our heart is hardened and we don't want to feel pain and we don't want to feel loss, oftentimes we also don't feel happiness and joy. 
All of you probably know somebody who's one or the other. All of you can probably think of someone in your life who has a softened heart, and you can probably think of someone in your life who's just been bittered and has a hardened heart and just isn't open. Well, through this series, we're going to be looking through the Beatitudes. And, And honestly, I'm excited about this because one of the things I love today, let me just say this, today is is not intricate details of the Beatitudes. My goal is not to go through every single Beatitude today and teach you tons of things. My goal today is to step back and look at the Beatitudes and see what it says about our hearts. And the thing I love about it is this, the Beatitudes teach us that our heart is key to receiving God's blessings. And and so we find Jesus in the beginning of his ministry, or his ministry has begun, and he's he's teaching, and he's preaching, and he's healing people, and and crowds are following Jesus, and his disciples are with him, and, and, um, and, you know, the crowds are drawing bigger and bigger, they're getting bigger and bigger, and and the Beatitudes that we're going to look at are the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in Matthew chapter 5. And so what we see is that Jesus has been teaching and preaching and crowds are following him. But at the beginning of chapter 5, we see that Jesus draws away and begins this Sermon on the Mount. This is probably one of the most important messages. Most people think it's the greatest sermon ever preached. And he was teaching and the Beatitudes kick this off. And the Beatitudes are important because the Beatitudes show us what it means to have our hearts tuned to God's heart. And so they show us that the key to blessing is our heart. Let's pick it up in in Matthew 5, 1 through 12. It says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so we see these beatitudes, and you hear this word over and over again. What's that word? Blessed. Yes, it's the title of our series. Blessed. Blessed are you when this happens. Blessed are you when this happens. It's showing us what our heart should look like, what the ideal disciple's heart will look like, and the blessings that come from it. And so we see Jesus. He's with the crowds. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing. And we see Jesus withdraw up the mountainside, and it says that the disciples followed him up the mountainside, and he began to teach this. And we're going to come back to that later. That's important. The who came with him is important, and we'll come back to that later. But just know that he begins to teach and preach the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. And he starts using this term, blessed are you, or blessed 
Um, blessed are the. And so it's important for us to know, what does blessed mean? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. All right, now tell your neighbor why you're blessed. Take a second. Come on. Why are you blessed? All right, so, so blessed, there's all sorts of different definitions. It's really funny because some commentaries that I would read would say that, that you know, happiness is not necessarily the, the definition of blessed. But other commentaries say that blessed means happiness. And the truth is, I don't know that we have a perfect definition for blessed, but, but some of the ones I came across were, were happy, fortunate. Blessedness is when you've got it good. Blessedness is a deeper level of spiritual health or contentment. And so we have all these different definitions of blessed, but, but regardless of, of what they are, I think the important thing is this. The blessedness that this is talking about is not a temporary feeling of happiness or goodness. It's not a momentary like, hey, I, I've got, I'm blessed for the moment, and then the next moment it's gone. The blessedness that this is talking about is a, is a deeper blessing. It's what we want. It's down deep in our heart. It's truly being blessed, not in the moment, but as a whole, blessing. I don't know about you guys, but uh, that sounds pretty good to me. I, I wouldn't mind having that deeper level of blessing. And so the Beatitudes are announcements of this blessedness, this deeper level. It's saying if your heart, if your life looks like this, then you have blessedness. The Beatitudes show us what it means to have our hearts tuned to God and the blessing that comes along with it. And so I just want to take a little bit of time and look at a few different aspects of the Beatitudes that I think were important for the listeners that day and are important for us as readers and listeners today. Number one, the Beatitudes talk about two different types of blessings or rewards. Now this is really cool, this is something I stumbled across in my studying, that, that Matthew tends to use sandwiches, okay? That means like he'll say something, and then there will be a middle part, like the meat, and then he'll say it again. And so we look at the Beatitudes, and we see this kind of sandwich in the, in the Beatitudes. So the first one, verse 3, says, blessed are the poor in spirit, and then listen to this language, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is, not for theirs will be, but for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then let's jump down to verse 10, and it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's present tense. That's saying that if this is what, where you're at, if your heart is tuned to God, then you right now are receiving or living in the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. That's great. In fact, look, look down toward the end. It says um, in verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And so these, for these, two, these two beatitudes say, Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And then it says your reward is in the kingdom of heaven. The beatitudes are telling you that if you're living this way, if your heart is tuned to God, you are receiving God's blessing, the kingdom of heaven, right now. 
Then we see verses 4 through 9, and we see a different thing. We see, blessed are, for they will. Blessed are, for they will. And so that's the sandwich. For theirs is, for theirs is, for they will. Over and over again. And so I think this is super important because I think what this tells us is that this blessedness is not something we're just looking at in the future. It's not just we live this way so someday we can be blessed. But it's a blessing that goes both ways. It's that if we live this way, if we tune our hearts to God, we can have God's blessings and God's kingdom right now where we are. But there's also blessing to come. There's also blessing in the future. And and so that's good news today. I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait. I want God's blessing now. I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to live the kingdom now. And so we see that this blessing isn't a now or later. We see that this blessing is both. If we will tune our hearts to God, if we will will tune our hearts to what the Beatitudes teach us, if we will have a heart like God's, we will experience God's blessings both now and in the future. The Beatitudes show us what it means to have our hearts tuned to God and the blessing that comes with it, and then if we tune our hearts to God, we experience God's blessing now and in the future. And so the second thing I want to look at about the Beatitudes is is that the Beatitudes kind of show us a picture that's upside down. Okay, if you're just sitting, if you weren't in the church, if if you didn't grow up in the church and you read the Beatitudes, you would probably be questioning a little bit, like, Is that really what blessedness is? Like, are you really blessed if this is where you're at? I mean, the first one is poor in spirit. We don't typically think of being poor in spirit or poor in anything as a blessing. Blessed are you when you mourn? We don't typically think of mourning and tragedy as a blessing in our lives. Blessed are you when you're persecuted? We don't typically think of persecution as a good thing, a thing that we get blessing from. And so the Beatitudes show us something that we typically don't see blessing in. They show us a lifestyle that we don't typically naturally want to have. They don't show us a lifestyle that our culture shows us. It's upside down. And so as we view God's blessings and Jesus' teaching, I think sometimes they're contrary to what we think our blessings are. What do we talk about as blessings? I'm not, I wasn't trying to fool you earlier. Listen, I believe that we all are blessed, and when you shared with your neighbor what, what your blessings were, why you're blessed, I would imagine that a lot of you, and, and I'll be honest with you, I say things like this all the time, and I'm not wrong, but I say we're so blessed to have a home over our head. We're so blessed to have great family that loves us. We're so blessed, we say this all the time, we're so blessed to have a wonderful church full of wonderful people who care about each other and love each other. I'm so blessed to have good health. I'm so blessed to have the possessions that I have. I'm so blessed to to be in the position I am, to be able to to feel successful in what I'm, that's what we typically think of when, when we think of blessings, right? You've said some of those things, right? We say it all the time. But the Beatitudes shows us something 
that's different. And I'm just going to take a second and talk about, um, I've had some opportunities to go overseas and to different countries, and a lot of you have too because this church believes in missions. And a lot of you have had opportunities to go to different countries and see people that live in a different place than we live. And I'll never forget when I was in eighth grade, my youth group went to Peru. We went to the jungles of Peru down with Larry and Addie Garman. And I'll never forget that every day we would travel to a village by a boat down the river and we were living in, you know, we were kind of roughing it like there wasn't real showers. We were showering under, uh, either we were bathing in rivers or we had a hose coming out of the river that was dumping water on us and we weren't sleeping on comfortable beds and we were going to these villages and sleeping in mosquito nets where you didn't know what was flying around you or crawling around you. And, And I'll just be honest with you and say for a couple weeks we didn't get really good sleep. And we would go to these different villages, and most of these villages had like one light bulb in the whole village. And I'll never forget, one of the villages we went to, really most of the villages we went to, we would have a worship service that night. And so as a kid who grew up in America, and has kind of my own comforts and my own thoughts of what church is, and what it should be, like, I wasn't super comfortable and I remember one night, our whole group, it was, it was pretty much in the middle of the trip, so we were all tired, we were worn out, we'd been worshiping every night, but I remember that this village had gathered to worship with us, and they got going, and, uh, and they really got going, and they started worshiping, and they kept worshiping, and they kept going, and they kept going, and honestly, after about an hour, hour and a half, we were all pretty worn out, and we were like, man, this just, I mean... We're worn out. And, and so I remember they said, hey, you guys go ahead and go to bed. We're going to keep worshiping. In their worship service, we went to bed in the building next door. It's not like there was a bunch of noise to cancel out. We heard them worshiping for another hour or two hours. And I'll never forget that me and all the blessings that I think I have, all the good stuff that I think I have that God has given me, I had about an hour and a half worship in me. And these people that walked for hours and miles to come and worship with us, couldn't stop. They couldn't stop talking about God's blessing. Another time I was in Papua New Guinea and I was sitting in a sanctuary that that wasn't air conditioning and it was hot outside and I was warm and I was tired and we got about an hour in and I was was sweating and I was just uncomfortable and I was thinking, man, when is this going to end? And then this little guy next to me who rode his bike miles and miles and miles to get to this place and didn't have shoes on his feet, is saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He got the blessing, and I was missing it. Don't you understand? These things are blessings. It is a blessing to have family and church and that stuff. But we can miss God's greatest blessings if our hearts aren't tuned to God's. And so our view of blessings doesn't quite match up sometimes with the Beatitudes. Poor in spirit. We don't typically think of being poor in spirit as being blessed. One of the authors I read said that that to come to God with empty hands and to say, God, I'm empty, fill me, is to be poor in spirit. Sometimes we think that we need to be good enough, we need to have it together so that we can come to God and God will want us. But God wants us 
to understand that we're poor and we're broken and on our own we don't have it. And that's when God gives us his richest blessings. We, we, we come from a culture that says, be good enough, earn it, be Christian enough. But God says, come empty, come poor in spirit and you'll, you'll get my blessings. The second thing, mourning. We don't think of mourning and tragedy as a positive thing in our lives. We think that if you're going through pain and suffering, then someday when you get through it, you'll get God's blessings. But Jesus says, no, as you mourn, if your heart is tuned to God, you receive my blessings. Meekness. We think fortune favors the bold and only the strong survive, but Jesus says, no, the meek, the soft-hearted, Receive my blessing. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's not popular in our culture. Wanting righteousness over anything else is not popular in our world today. Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, receive my blessing. Merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted. These aren't things that we typically think of as blessed, but Jesus is flipping it all upside down and saying, if you tune your heart to me, you will find my blessing. He's teaching us something different. He's teaching us something that's not our natural tendency. But here's the coolest thing. I, I, as I was thinking through this sermon, and as I, I was thinking through this topic, Paul came to my mind. Paul, the missionary in Scripture, who was tortured and thrown in prison. And, and if you read the New Testament, you'll read book after book after book that Paul wrote when he was going through pain and trouble. But Jesus, but God was blessing Paul through the trouble and was pouring him and filling him up and Paul couldn't help but write and, and do these things and, and tell others about God's hope and God's peace and God's love. That's the blessing. Paul got it. He was going through it, but he got it. And so the good news today is that the Beatitudes may be tough, they may be against our natural reactions and thoughts, but the good news today is that the Beatitudes prove that God's blessings are not contingent on our circumstances. See, the things we talked about, houses, cars, finances, success, friendships, family, those are all temporary things, and when things are going good, we're gonna feel blessed, we're gonna feel like we've got it, God's looking down on me favorably. But those are temporary, and we all know that health goes, and we all know that cars break down, and we all know that wealth can be spent so fast. Those are temporary, and what the Beatitudes teach us, this is the best news I can tell you today, is it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. God's blessing is here for you now, today. Blessed are you, and the key is to tune your heart to God. And so we're praying and fasting together because we want to be tuned to God. We're praying and fasting together because we want to have a heart like God's. And so good news today. It doesn't matter if you're in the best part of your life or you're in the darkest place you've ever been. It doesn't matter if the circumstances around you are good or, or things are really tough. If you'll tune your heart to God, God's blessings are here for you now and in the future. The last thing real quick I want to look at 
is the audience. I said we'd come back to this, and so we're coming back to it. It says that Jesus went up the mountainside, and the disciples followed him up the mountainside, and, and he started teaching. And so we typically think that Jesus was teaching his disciples and his closest followers, those 12 disciples. But if we look later at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7, it says this in verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So let me go back a little bit. As he finished saying these things, the crowds... Not the disciples, the crowds. And so what we see is Jesus may may have gone up the mountain and the disciples may have followed, but at some point, Jesus wasn't just teaching the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples. He was teaching it in front of crowds. The same people that were with him at the bottom of the mountain are up there listening to him now. And that's important for us today. And this is why. As we wrap up, I think that there are three types of people in this room today. I think some of us may consider ourselves close disciples of Jesus. I think some of us may may have have lived out these beatitudes and, and our heart is in the right place and our hearts have been tuned to God and we're experiencing God's blessings and we can sit here today and say, yes, God is blessing me and God has blessed me no matter where I'm at. I want you to pray and I want you to fast if that's you. Because the truth of the matter is, as we see through Scripture, that circumstances can draw you away from that. And you've never made it. You're never set. You're never perfect. You have to continue to seek God's heart every day. And so I want you today, if you're in that first group, the disciples, if you feel like you're there with the Beatitudes, I want you to pray and I want you to fast every day in January and just pray that God will continue to shape your heart. I think there's a second group there, and that's probably a group, or or here, that's probably the group of you that say, yes, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and I'm trying to live for God, but honestly, sometimes I'm not experiencing this deeper blessing. I've accepted Christ, and I see the good blessings, the temporary blessings in my life, but when I go through toughness, I don't feel like God's walking with me and blessing me. I want you to pray, and I want you to fast And I want you to tune your heart to God because there's so much more for you there. There's so much more than just the temporary blessings that we have around us. God wants to give you wholeness and peace no matter what's going on around you. And so if you're in that second group, pray and fast. And then I think there's a third group. And that's that some of you in here may be just simply thinking, I don't want suffering I don't want to be poor in spirit. I don't want to have to do all that stuff. That doesn't even sound appealing to me. Some of you in here may not know Christ. You may not have a relationship with Christ. And you may just be thinking, that's all foreign to me and I don't want it. I want to ask you simply to ask God to change your heart. I want you to ask God to show you his blessings to show you this deeper blessing. See, I have confidence. I don't, I'm not trying to force you to be something you're not. I have confidence that God wants to bless each and every one of us no matter where we are. And if you will pray and you will fast and you will say, God, show me your blessing, I believe God will take us to a whole new level of blessing. And so as we gather together in January, we want to pray. We want to pray together. We want to fast 
We want our hearts to be tuned like a violin, to be beautiful and to make beautiful music and to love others and to be peaceful. That's what we're doing in January. And I want you to pray and I want you to fast and I want you to ask God to tune your heart to his. Dear Lord, we come before you today and I thank you for this group of people that's here. And I know that we all are representing different circumstances and different places and even different places in our journey and our walk with you, Lord. I pray today that you would draw us closer to you. I pray today that you would tune our hearts to you, that we could live for you, and that we could experience your deepest and richest blessings. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love us so much, and I thank you that, you're de- that, that your blessings are not dependent on whether things are good or bad, and your blessings aren't dependent on us being perfect, but you want to tune our hearts to you. So do that, Lord. We love you in thy name. Amen.